0: You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, tonight, I'm with uh, Jim Johnson.
1: Hey, Happy New Year.
0: And Louis Rigoni.
1: Happy New Year, everyone, and uh, me and Mike forgot to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. We
0: sure did, and I felt like an idiot after (laughs) we closed the last show.
1: I, I did too, and you know, we didn't even talk about it until just now, which is pretty funny because I absolutely felt miserable over the fact that we signed off and did not wish everyone a merry christmas our 12 or 15 loyal listeners <laughs> merry christmas and of course happy new year to everyone out there well
0: said lewis <laughs> all right so all that aside uh, we had a christmas gift and uh the dolphins gave it to us by defeating the patriots up in foxborough who saw that coming
2: ah <laughs> certainly i didn't
1: i uh, mean neither and the people that were watching it with us, not, how many people did we have over that day, Mike, for the game? Quite a few. Quite a few. And everybody that was here, we probably had about 20 guys here, Jim. And, uh, you know, we, we all watched the game. Some people were watching the Viking game and whatnot. But at the end, everybody was watching the Miami-New England game. And, and everybody was just like, holy cow. I mean, they were just shocked by it. It was great. It really was.
2: I got to tell you, anytime you can put that look on Belichick and Brady's faces, it's it's just a yeah. Great you day. saw that look on
1: Belichick's face. Oh yeah, it's just
2: a great day. <laughs> that was that that made it for me.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh wait, it was a great Christmas gift, Mike. You hit it right on the, right on the button there. It was awesome,
0: Jim. You know you've not done recaps with us. Why don't you tell us uh, what you thought of the uh, early part of the game?
2: Sure, I. Uh, you know I'm watching the game and and I go into these games as a Dolphin fan going into Gillette Stadium with kinda well let's see with if they can put a competitive game together this time and you know I they got they got the first score and I was like cool and then and then they scored again and then the Patriots scored and it was kinda going back and forth and pretty even really and I was like wow this is this is actually a game and, you know, if you remember that early blowout. No, was, I, I've forgotten
0: yeah, all about that.
2: I know, I know. But, you know, it was, it was a night and day turnaround. But the little voice in the back of my head kept saying, well, the Patriots are going to wake up or, or we're going to fumble or Fitzpatrick's going to throw an interception or some momentum swinging deal is going to happen. And then the Patriots got the ball back with like a little over a minute to go in the first half. And they just let the clock run out, and I was like shocked. I, I was like, "You look, and
0: everybody else."
2: I was looking around like, "Is is is the stadium on fire? Is there something going on?" But you know, that was a sign to me that that Belichick and and Brady are struggling or something because they just said, "Okay, it's close. Let's go into halftime and make our adjustments." They didn't they didn't want to push the envelope. They didn't want to risk any any problems. So right there that was like a big red flag for me i was like wow they're they're like off their game and it they're was try-
0: not typical patriot football no. ordinarily they'd get the ball and they'd try and force yep. it down the field
2: yeah right yep. and it's
1: it's not only the patriots it's it's across the league where you have a minute plus on the clock unless you're down at the five or ten yard line your own five or ten you're, you're attempting to get, at least get a field goal out of that drive. I've, I have never in all the years I've been watching them play not be aggressive in that situation you're absolutely right Jim you hit it and I'm glad you brought that up because I had actually forgotten about
2: that I mean that was that was a huge that actually got my attention and I was like that told me right away that that Belichick is not comfortable with how Tom Brady is throwing the football and he's not comfortable with how they're executing and he just said let's get to halftime and see if we can fix this thing and then obviously the second half came out and, and they didn't really have much of an answer. And that last drive that, that they put together with, uh, what, three minutes to go with the touchdown pass to Gizeki, uh, you know, I, I was shocked. I literally was. I was like, wow, they're doing it. Wow, they're doing it. Ah, something's going to go wrong. And then I came right out of the chair when, they, when he caught that touchdown pass. And, it, you know, I was hooting and hollering because it's just, to do that in Gillette Stadium against those Patriots, that was a thing of beauty. I don't I don't care if it's Fitzpatrick or Gusecki or Parker who had a, an exceptional game. Uh, I mean, that was just a thing of beauty. But I do think one of my favorite plays, though, was watching uh, Parker completely truck uh, Stephen Gilmore on that right side. He caught that pass and just bowled him right over and got another seven yards or something.
1: Yeah, he, he had another great game, Parker. Yep. You know, let me, let me just add something before we get a little sidetracked and go in other directions. We have to look back at this game, and honestly, it's the last game of the year. It didn't help us in, in, in any way, shape, or form, but the importance that we take from this game is that it's going to be a turning point. It's showing all of these players that are on this football team that they're capable of of beating anybody in anybody's stadium. When they go up there and did what they did on that last game of the season in a game that New England absolutely needed to win, it just, you know, going forward, there was so much importance involved in this. There's always a turning point when it comes to franchises becoming winning football teams. And we're going to look back at this game and there's a lot of significance involved in, in this win. More so than just you know a W on the scoreboard, it's a there's a lot of importance behind it, and the players are going to take it in the next season. They're going to have a lot more confidence going forward, and it's a turning point. There's no, that's the way I look at it, and well, that's I'd why like I was to so take happy. Take that
0: one from... step further. I, I think it showed the entire league right that the Dolphins can uh, beat the Patriots, and and they're not as bad as people might have thought they were. Right. Uh, so that's, that's going to matter come, you know, time for free agency and all that, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had a couple of players last year, not want to play for us. You know, you had, uh, Jadavian Clowney didn't want nothing to do with us. You had, uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater didn't want anything to do with us. So maybe the attitude will be a little bit different next off season.
2: Yeah. One more comment about that Patriot game. You know, we've watched Joe Philbin and Adam Gase go into Gillette and, it's just they got so conservative with everything it's just like they were trying not to make a mistake they went into Gillette and they were like intimidated from the start and you didn't see that at all in this game with under Flores and that was the thing that that I really took away from it the most is is these guys weren't intimidated they just went in there and played their game and and they went out there to win and and they took the win from the Patriots so that's a great thing moving forward Right. Absolutely. They lined up. There was
1: no wildcat. There was no crazy trickery. There was no, you know, uh, just crazy stuff going on all over the place. They lined up and they played football and they flat out beat them. It was as simple as that on both sides of the football. I mean, I really felt that they outplayed them the whole game. So did I. New England yeah. began to turn to the trickery type of things, throwing a touchdown pass to a linebacker, you know, doing those type of things. They were desperate. It it was so funny, you know, how the game, you know, how it transgressed into what it became. And uh, again, you know, I I, I can't tell you how pleased I was, you know, ending the season. I mean, how do you think Flores feels about going up there and winning a game like this? I mean, he's got to go into the offseason just feeling feeling like a million bucks you know i mean it was just a great win for him and the organization can't say enough about it
0: well you know i'm a big time of possession guy i really believe that if you win the time of possession more times than not you're gonna win the game and miami had the ball for almost 34
1: minutes mm-hmm. turnovers yeah. mike not a solo turnover again uh penalties you didn't see a lot of penalties four penalties, four four. penalties four. the yep. whole game i mean and, and this this is how you win football games. And this is how you become a winning football team. No turnovers, penalties, limited. Yeah. And just lining up and beating the guy in front of you. It's that simple. Like you mentioned earlier, Jim Parker did it all day long against some uh, some really good corners.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of people think Gilmore's the best corner in the league.
1: Absolutely. Not, and, not anymore. <laughs> and, you know, Parker put 137 yards up on him. How about yep. that? Yep. And if it wasn't him, Isaiah Ford was adding to it. You know, he had 54 yards on seven catches. It, Wilson had five catches for 59 yards. I mean, yep. it, it was spread out. Those those are our three receivers right now, and all of them contributed. And they all, they all did a great job. Gasicki also added on. You know, he had the touchdown at the end, and he had a right. few other catches. And and there you have it. That's it. We don't have a running game, guys. Those four guys and Fitzpatrick are our offense. <laughs> Come on. I think uh, it's that simple.
2: I think we had one 7-yard rush there on one play. That was pretty good. That was a highlight there.
1: Laird was our leading rusher, 11 carries, 21 yards, 1.9 yards a carry. There you have it. Um, you know, it's it again, you know, it it's when you prepare for us, you know what you're going to go up against. And the fact that we have been able to be, you know, we've been successful to some extent on offense just tells you about how good Fitzpatrick and these receivers have been. They've, they've been above and beyond good.
0: Yeah. Well, he's been phenomenal. We've talked about it every week and, you know, uh, you know, he had a rough start early in the season, but uh, since the bye week, he's been playing at a really high level and, uh, it was fun to watch, you know. You know he's got the he's got the team motivated, and he's got the team believing in him, and that that makes all the difference in the world. That that's how you go into a Foxborough and win, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they have confidence in him
2: the thing is he's just out there having fun you know that that one long run he had he and he put his shoulder down and took a pretty good hit and he got up and he was smiling and just ready for the next play he's funny
0: he's funny as hell
2: and it's like this guy is just out there having a ball and uh you know that takes all that stress out of it when you can relax back there it becomes so much easier and uh, you can see it on a lot of quarterbacks faces they're all they're, they're trying to absorb everything and they and they get to themselves with it. So you know that's that's part of why it's working is because he's having fun out there.
1: And you know the other the other point, Jim real quick because you brought it up already in regard to past coaches being very conservative and going into games, uh, not not pushing the envelope. if you look at this stretch, the second half of the season, and you can go way back, and we talked about it on these podcasts about halfway through the season. I said, the only way this team is going to compete is if they put the ball up 40 times a game and throw the football, and they don't try to run because they're not going to be successful. They don't have the horses. As soon as Drake was traded, I mean, how how are you going to run the football behind that offensive line? It wasn't there. So let's give a lot of credit to the coaching staff realizing that this was our opportunity to win football games and not have Fitzpatrick throwing the ball 20 times a game and us attempting to run the ball 20, 25 times a game because their philosophy was just perfect. And it was exactly what we talked about halfway through the season. Like I said, the fact that, listen, the only way they're going to win football games and compete is if they put the ball up 40 times a game. It it is what it is. And that's exactly what they did. So we have to give them credit for adapting to what they had to work with. And they just did a phenomenal job in preparing these guys.
0: I'm all season long. Uh, yes, all season long. I, you know, you you can't not be impressed with the job that Flores did. Now, uh, as as we go forward here, you know, uh, the season ends, and all of a sudden they uh, fire some coaches, and right. uh, I I think a lot of people are questioning the O'Shea uh, firing because they were satisfied with the offense uh, to a large degree. Uh, so, what do you what do you guys think of that move, Lewis?
2: Well. Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm a firm
1: believer in if it's not broken, then don't fix it. Now, we have to trust in the coaching staff. Mike, that was your comment to me when we talked about it initially. And, you know, I I agree with that to an extent. But the issue that I have with it is now you've got a new coach, and obviously he's going to have a different way of approaching things. And the players are now going to have to adapt to that. And they have to build on that once again. So basically, you're starting all over on the offensive side. Because I don't care what coach it is, they ha- they're setting their ways, especially a guy that's been around as long as he's been around. And the players are going to have to adapt to this now. So it's basically like starting over, all over, you know, completely over, come uh, camp you know, the first camps and they're going to have to get to it. And, you know, that's, that's the negative that comes from it, but there has to be obvious reasons behind it. I don't know what they are, but, um, you know, in regard to that offensive coordinator position, I don't, you know, I didn't feel they needed to do anything. I thought with what they had to work with this year, they did an exceptional job. Jim, what do you,
0: one sec, the speculation is that that they want to move away from the Patriots' offense because they feel like that's a very complicated offense, and with the amount of youth we're going to have on the offensive side of the ball, they felt it would be difficult, if not impossible, to get those players up to speed. So Chan Gailey runs a simpler offense, and uh, they they thought that uh, that would be better for the roster that they have.
1: Well, I mean. To- I don't want to contradict that, Mike, but the guys that were in place this year did an exceptional job if they were in fact running a Patriot offense. I mean, Parker excelled in this offense as well as Gasecki and some of the other guys came on very late as well. I mean, Williams was doing a great job early on. He was a rookie. Laird stepped in and did a decent job. I mean, you know, he's limited because he's a limited player, but I felt he did a good job. So, you know, I, I'm not so sure that's the case. And, you know, I, you know, we, we can go in a million different directions here. There's, you know, that's speculative. And, you know, I don't agree with that either. I mean, because, again, I felt that they did a fine job if that's in fact what they were doing this year, running a well, Patriot Well, they, they didn't run
0: the ball well, so.
1: Well, no, they didn't, Mike. But, I mean, listen. If you watch the Dolphin offense, it's not complicated. I mean, we watched it, Mike. Okay, let's go back to this this Sunday. They're running off right guard four or five times. I mean, that's not complicated. And, and the guys in front of them are just getting beat. It's not like they're doing trap plays and all this other stuff. They were running straight runs to Laird off right guard. And remember, me and you kept going back and forth. I'm like, Mike, if they're going to run the ball, at least put a receiver in the slot in motion and get some of the linebackers distracted. You know, they were just running off a right guard or right tackle. So I don't we know we how arguing complicated we about that? that is. I don't
0: think we were arguing about no,
1: that. No, not at all. No, no. We, we were just making comment to it. So when you talk about complicated offenses and the Patriots are too complicated, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, it doesn't wash with me. I mean, Jim, how do you feel about that? Because we've been talking back and forth here. You yeah. You get a word in here.
2: I, you know, I'm kind of torn about it. I, I wasn't really in love with O'Shea just because I, I didn't really know if he was responsible for much of all of it or if it was more Fitzpatrick improvising. But to your point... Lou, you're talking about you know the players having to adapt, and it's like, yeah, all six players will have to adapt to the new guy. So, <laughs> um, you know, you we've got a few receivers, and and hopefully Fitzpatrick's coming back. So yeah, there will be an adjustment period, but uh, Fitzpatrick has played for eight different teams and twelve different coordinators. I'm pretty certain he'll be fine. Um, so I don't I don't see that as a big issue. Uh, we're going to have a lot of new people and. My thought with with Galey is he's got a huge amount of experience and he's he you know he runs an offense where you know he likes to run the ball and he likes you know some play action and he likes to spread it out so he has some good concepts um he, and but the experience pool is what is good the the thing I'm concerned about is he's been retired for like 3 years now he's 68 years old and my concern is, does he really want to come back and put his heart and soul into the job? And if he does, I think it'll be a great hire and he'll be a valuable asset. But if he comes in and he's and he's three months in and he decides that he, you know, this isn't, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have done this type of attitude, uh, then it's gonna be a big mistake. So, you know, I'm optimistic that Flores knows what he's doing. Uh, he's obviously had this in mind for some time now because this all happened like Monday morning. So, right, it was quick. Obviously, Flores knew that he was going to do this, and the thing with Gailey is, is he does like to run the ball, and they, you know, also fired the offensive line coach. So this tells me that Flores was unhappy with the offensive line coach and O'Shea. Maybe it was because they really couldn't friggin' get a three yard average running back. I mean, that's pathetic. So maybe there is something to it on the on the run game aspect of the coaching.
1: Mike, well you you brought up a very good point the other day when we were talking, Mike, in regard to the fact that he's worked with Fitzpatrick. And right. maybe this is a situation where they want Fitzpatrick to come back next year because I know there's been some speculation that he's going to hang it up. Now, why he would, I don't know. But we have heard that. And maybe this is a way of keeping him around.
0: Maybe right? he had something to do with it. Who knows?
1: Exactly. You know, I
0: don't know if they would you know, listen to him in that regard, but it's possible.
1: Right. I mean... You know, so we'll see. I mean, again, we have to trust in in the coaching staff. I mean, we had a third coach, and that was the defensive back coach, which, again, you know, I mean, he's shorthanded. He lost how many guys this year over the course of the season?
0: (laughs) It's tough to say. You know, you think, well, maybe, you know, they get rid of him because he wasn't a good teacher, and I think that's what it all comes down to. Yes,
1: we have to, again, we have to trust in what Flores is looking at as a whole, and we go forward. And and that's it, you know, I mean, we can go back and forth and let's hope that these are positive moves and, you know, and, and they're successful moves.
0: And I'm all for the offensive line change because uh, the guy that was there wasn't getting results with the line that he had. I mean, you know, nobody really progressed from the start of the season to the end of the season. Right. Not one person.
2: Yeah, I I was hoping that Dieter was going to improve. And I was thinking with the, with the coaching change, you know, early on that we'd be seeing some progress, but that just never materialized. Well,
1: I will say this, they did an exceptional job of pass blocking. At times. In that New England game. They really did. They did a really, really good job because, you know, their defense can be difficult at times. You know, they do a lot of different things. They disguise a lot of different things and, if you look back at it, you didn't see FitzPatrick being harassed constantly. He got hit, but he had more than ample time to get rid of passes. I mean, they threw the ball up 41 times and uh um, yep. you know, he did get sacked a few times, but overall I felt they did a pretty good job. But again, we'll see we'll see how everything goes going forward. And keep in mind the other thing is is that offensive line coach was thrown into the mix at really, at, you know, out of nowhere because we fired our coach during right. the preseason. Right. The initial guy that was hired. So it was kind of like they looked around, they probably just grabbed him and said, All right, well, let's go through the season here and see how he does. And, you know, I guess he didn't do too well. Yep.
0: <laughs> I guess
2: <laughs> not. <laughs> I got I to gotta interject one last comment on these coaches. And you got, yeah. we, you know, we were just chuckling about the, you know, the offensive line coach. Flores seems to get rid of people that he's not satisfied with so this is this is something that I I'm, I'm glad to see if somebody's not doing what you want them to be doing then either fix it or get rid of them and you know I'm okay with it just let this guy do what he wants does you know do what he wants to do and you know it's all on him if it doesn't work out so right. uh, you know I'm back to the trust yeah I'm comfortable with him doing what he wants to do at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to be, right? It's not like we have any control over it.
2: Well, <laughs> right. I mean, we said the same thing when it was Joe Philbin and Adam Gase. You know, we got to trust, we got to give him a year. We got to trust in Gase and, you know, all of this mumbo jumbo. And and I really struggled with Philbin and and Gase. You know, I wanted to trust them, but uh every week with these guys, it was another decision that made me scratch my head, and I just uh it was hard to trust them. Uh, Flores has made some some really good choices, I think. And I like the direction we're going. And we're always talking about building the foundation. And we already talked about, you know, very few penalties. And we didn't turn the ball over. And that's your foundation. So I'm, I'm tickled with the direction the team's headed.
0: Hey, guys. I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do do run a Facebook group. Uh, It's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, Let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. This weekend, we've got some playoff games coming up. What are your thoughts on the Bills and Texans, Lewis?
1: Bills and Texans. So I, I think the Texans will win the game. They're home. Buffalo's offense just struggles at times. They have to get some more players on the offensive side of the football. I think their like defense. Receivers. <laughs> receivers. Singletary's young. Um, you know, they've got Brown, who, who toasted us over and over again, but uh, he's not a true number one. I think they're going to struggle a little bit Buffalo. I think their defense will keep them around for a little bit, but I think I think Houston will wind up winning that football game. They're they're a little bit better football team. Now, if Buffalo beat them, I wouldn't be absolutely shocked because Houston at times just looks horrible. I mean, I don't understand what what happens to them, but there's times where listen, they were 10 and 6. They lost 6 games this year. So, right you know, it's not like they're unbeatable. So Buffalo can win this football game. I just don't trust their offense enough. And I think that in the end, that's what's going to do them in.
0: Well, I agree with you on that.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the return of J.J. Watt is going to impact what Buffalo is going to have to do on offense because Allen can't handle pressure. And you know, I think Allen's going to end up turning the ball over, be it a a, a fumble or an interception. Either way, and I uh, I just think Houston's going to going to pull it out. Their defense is going to make the the Bills make mistakes.
0: So all three of us like the Texans. I think so. Jim, what about Tannehill's uh, Titans and uh, Brady's Patriots?
2: Well, I mean, the Patriots just got whooped by the Dolphins, so. You know that's okay, gut.
0: We, we won by three. Let's I not know, but away.
2: but when you consider the Patriots were at home, fighting for home field advantage, and they lost, that's that's a sign of weakness. So when I look at this matchup, it makes it closer. Put it that way. I think the Patriots are going to rebound, but this game is going to pivot on Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill. If Henry has success on the ground, then Tannehill will have success himself. So the thing I can't predict is how well is Tom Brady going to play? He did not look good in the last few games uh, of the season. Uh, you know, his passes are off. It looks like it's it's work for him to be quarterback now, where before it was just like automatic. So that's the whole issue to me is, is, is Tom Brady injured? just tired I don't know what but you know if if they can maybe
0: he's 42
2: <laughs> well with this you know maybe father time has finally caught up with Tom I don't know but that's the key to me is is can he have a have another you know good game where he's you know is throwing the ball more accurately so his receivers can make those plays um, but uh, you know if the if the Patriots can shut down the running game of of Tennessee then Ryan Tannehill is gonna have a real struggle and as Dolphins fans, we have seen Ryan have some very bad games up there in Foxborough, so it it's going to be interesting to watch.
0: So you're taking the
2: Patriots? I think I would have to go with the Patriots in this game, yes. What about you, Lewis? This game basically comes down
1: to Tannehill, the way I look at it. New England's not going to score a lot of points. They haven't been. I don't, I don't see them doing anything differently this week. If you looked at their offense last week, against our defense, they struggled. And, you know, they, they had to, again, go back to some trickery to score some points. They're, they're not a very good offense right now. They're playing a better defense than what they played last week in a must-win game. So it's it's on Tannehill, this game. Henry, as long as he has lanes, they do have a good offensive line. New England has a good defense. Uh, Henry's going to get his yards. I don't think he's going to go crazy running the ball, but he's going to be successful. So the game's going to fall on Tannehill's shoulders. He's going to have to make plays in the passing game. If you go back to last week, Fitzpatrick challenged their corners over and over again, 41 times to be precise. I'll bring that number up again. And they were successful in doing it. And that's what Tannehill's going to have to do. If, if he's successful, they'll win the football game. Because right now, in my opinion, they're a better football team than New England. New England's banged up. Edel- Edelman is hurt. Past him, they don't really have good receivers. I don't understand why they're not using James White. Me and Mike talked about it last week during the game. Uh, he's an exceptional player out of the backfield, and they underused him last week. Uh, maybe you see them come up with a really good game plan. We've seen Belichick do it before. Um, you know, predicting the game, I'm going to go with New England. But I mean, in a in a real close game, maybe 24-21, something like that. But if Tannehill has a good game, they they can they can beat them, and they can beat them pretty solidly. Solidly. So I'm going to go with New England only because of Belichick and the fact that you know he he is what he is. But, um, you know, as far as the teams, Tennessee's the better team right now.
0: I agree with everything you just said. I do think Tennessee is the better team. I do think the game is going to fall on Tannehill's lap, and I do think the Patriots are going to win if they can shut down the Titans' running game.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So
0: Sunday we've got uh, the Vikings at the Saints, Jim.
2: I don't see the Vikings and, and Cousins being able to win a game under pressure against the saints uh i think drew Brees is going to have another big game and i just don't see the vikings being able to pull off an upset down there
1: lewis yeah i'm with jim uh the vikings have underachieved this year as far as i'm concerned i mean i'm really disappointed in the way their defense has played all year it's been a strength for them because cousins has actually had a real solid year for them uh he's he's played big in some of their bigger games Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in football. You've got Diggs and Thielen. You've got offensive players. Uh, The problem for the Vikings has been defense, and I think the Saints are going to do enough. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than what everybody's thinking it's going to be, but the Saints are going to win. They're at home. I mean, sometimes their defense throws stinkers out, and that's what you got to be concerned with. You know they've only lost three games all year, but there are games you know just like when San Francisco went up there and put forty something points on them where they you you don't know what they're doing, so as long as they avoid that type of football game, I think the saints saints will win this game they should win it, yeah,
0: I would also go with the Saints, but like you say it's it's probably gonna be closer than people think. I could see it being a high scoring game as well,
2: mhm-, yeah, it digs. Diggs and Thielen will probably have their catches as well, so it could be a you know 42 to 38 type of game. mm hmm very well, could be.
0: And Seahawks at Eagles.
1: Lewis? Uh, th- this game is just I you know I, I've thought about this game and I you know what I, I just don't know. I really don't. I, I would definitely have take I would have definitely had taken the Seahawks had Chris Carson and some of their running backs been healthy. Um they lost Penny, they lost Prosci and of course they lost Chris Carson in the last week of the season and that is a key to their offense. Their running game is outstanding and Russell Wilson plays off of that running game. Now they brought back Marshawn Lynch. Now <laughs> you know Lynch great. I mean it's a great story, but he's not the threat that those three guys combined were. I mean they they were really really good running football team. So Uh, And the Eagles? I mean, I don't even know. what. (laughs) I I have no idea what the hell that team's all about. I mean, they're they're all over the place.
2: Nobody knows, Lou. Nobody knows. They have no
1: receivers. Um, Ertz, I think, is going to play this week, but I mean, I don't know how they're getting it done. I mean, we beat them a few weeks ago, and... You know, to pick this game, it, it's really tough. I mean, really tough. If Seattle was healthy at running back, I would I would have definitely been all over them. But I think that kind of evens the game out. And the fact that they're in Philadelphia, it makes it even more even a football football game. And it's just going to come down to whether Wilson can make some plays in the passing game. Um, I think Seattle's going to actually win the game, but it, it's going to be it's going to be tooth and nail. It really is. Uh, so I, I t- I'll take the Seahawks in this one.
0: Well, I'm going to take the Eagles, and I don't disagree with anything you said. Uh, you know, I think the Eagles are at home, and Seattle's not a great road team. So I'm kind of comfortable with that, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Jim.
2: I'm going to go with you Mike on this one. I the Eagles exactly like you said Lou, what are the, is the Eagles story? It's just they they're a bunch of whole bunch of loose cannons running around out there. They look good one game and terrible the next. Absolutely. Uh, but it's the end of the season. They're going to be all amped up. They're at home and like you mentioned Lou, the the Seahawks ground game has been devastated and you know, I just don't see Wilson being able to carry the team as as beat up as they are. I I think it's going to be too big of a of a bite for him. So I'm going to pick the Eagles.
1: Yeah, just keep in mind, guys the eagles were 9 and 7 in the worst division in football so yeah. you know that that they are what they are you know we we hear that expression all the time and that you know that's why i'm kind of edging towards the seahawks cuz i it, it, even without the running backs i think they're a little bit better football team but you know again they're at home the crowd's going to be fired up so you know it it should even things out it's going to be it's going to be a fun weekend it really yeah, is i, I, I like all so the games
0: yep me too I'm particularly interested to see what Tannehill does, just because. Of know? course. And uh, the NFC games. I think the NFC is is probably you know obviously a better conference right now, and th- those games uh, should be pretty entertaining.
1: Yes, yes, yes. You know what? You know what we love, guys, is the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't in this mix. So that, that's a plus. We love that. We love it. Well,
0: yes. Yes, because they when we we know we now have the eighteenth pick, and we know we have the fifth uh,
1: pick is it eighteen or nineteen, Mike? I read somewhere it's, it was it, nineteen it's eighteen. There it was is.
2: somebody wrote an article somewhere and they said we had the sixth and the nineteenth, but they were they were off a spot
1: nice, even better. that? Yeah. there about you go that? there you go. another Christmas gift, late Christmas gift. I like there it you yep. yep, so we'll we'll talk
0: more about that as we go forward, but sure. uh you know, the fifth round, you know, the fifth slot pick, they should be able to uh, get a pretty talented athlete or or possibly they could trade down if somebody else is uh, more interested in what's there than they are. So they're sitting in a pretty good spot.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I've actually seen a couple of wild mocks where Joe Burrow doesn't go number one to Cincinnati. And uh, I thought that was kind of comical. I think somebody's dreaming, so...
1: Well, yeah. Well, guys, listen, we we've seen this before. I mean, you know, there's been a million drafts. I mean, did anybody expect the Giants to take who they took a yeah, quarterback right. last year out of nowhere? I mean, it just depends on what the Bengals thought process is. I mean, they may love another quarterback above and beyond him. You just right. you never yeah. know. You just never know. It could happen, Jim. We've seen it a million times. So that's it. It's way too early. It is. It's way too early. I mean, the combine <laughs> <laughs> throws right. people in the million, right. and all, all that stuff. And, you know. and then something about them maybe smoking a little weed. I was going to say the whole... anything, you know, it just, yeah. yeah. We saw it happen to our boy, Dan Marino. Yeah. Right before the draft, you know, all of a sudden, all that stuff came out, and and we, and we really
0: know. saw it happen with uh, Tunsil. Oh yeah, the the mask.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should throw something out there about Burrows, and and have it spread around, and you know, because that that was that was the rumor that the mm-hmm. Dolphins sent that rumor out and about, right? Way back then?
0: Yeah. It's been said. I don't believe that.
1: <laughs> I don't believe it either, Mike. But you know what? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never
2: know. <laughs> I'd like to eavesdrop <laughs> on a Shula Marino conversation about that. Yeah, I know, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's about all I've got, guys. Uh, did either one of you have anything else you'd like to add?
2: I uh, think not- we're good not too much i just would like to wish everybody uh, you know a great ha- new year and uh, we're into 2020 and fins up everybody
1: hey mike when are we coming back so everybody's aware of that for next we're week.
0: coming back probably a week from today
1: okay so next wednesday yes very good
0: and uh you know we'll talk a little bit more about the team and the end of the season and uh our thoughts on some of the players and whatnot But that'll be it for this week's show. I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, you guys, thanks for joining me.
1: Very welcome. Yeah, yeah.
0: And Fin's up. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network.